0: General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We are here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission to make disciples of all nations and to preach the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Dustin Thompson, Vice President for Regional Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. Today, I'm joined with President Danny Donovan, the president of General Baptist Ministries, and Pastor Brandon Petty, the lead pastor of Generation Church in Portland, Tennessee. And we're going to be having a conversation as we get prepared for the new year of what it looks like to actually embrace new rhythms, spiritual disciplines, find the you you haven't met yet as you get ready for this new season. So, gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of the Doing Together podcast.
1: What's up? Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm so glad both of y'all said yes. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. were voluntold.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm,
0: know, say. I, I, I just showed gonna up. Ask. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, for the listeners, both of these guys actually employ me to work for them. So uh, it's sort of fun <laughs> that uh, I was able to convince them to, that, to yeah, join us funny. today. That's funny. So a big reason that I wanted both y'all to have this conversation is in all seriousness, I get to be really close to both of y'all and y'all are some of the most disciplined people, both professionally and personally in my life. Like I want to be a little bit more like both of y'all when I grow up. Um, And so I thought this will be a great conversation as we are starting to get ready for uh, this year to wind down, looking forward to next year, a lot of people are thinking, how can they improve themselves? What can they leave behind in this year? What can they uh, start to add? I hate to say New Year's resolutions, but basically, like, what can they change? How can they maybe, hopefully they're thinking, become a little bit more like Jesus in the new year? And so, personally, like, y'all are really disciplined people in different ways, whether it's, like, your calendars, whether it's your Bible reading. Like, why is that so important to you?
1: For me, I think it's a a stewardship thing. You know, like, um, honestly, before I started pastoring in 2012, or actually, I guess, 2010, um, I was kind of one of those people that could survive for a long time off of, you know, getting by the the seat of my pants, you know, just kind of like winging it. And uh, I tell people like, you can live off of your gifting for so long, but eventually your character catches up with your gifting. And I think being um, thrust into a new way of leading and leading a church the way I was, because I was in student ministry for 15 years before that, um, it really forced me to look at my own life and figure out where I was not a good steward, you know, because no one really taught me that. Um, I think. You know, I I came to Christ later on in my teen years, right after I graduated high school. And so my experience of becoming a follower of Jesus, um, it was was more about, you know, what you did at church um, than what you did in your own personal life. And so it took years of me getting around mentors and pastors and leaders to figure out, like, you know, if I'm going to one, survive ministry, but two, even sustain or or endure or persevere as a believer in Christ, then my stewardship has to go to another level. And so for me, whether it's my body, my mind, my time, all, I, I believe all of those are a gift from God that he's called us to steward. So
2: Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think part of the reason that I've um, had to... Well, I'm kind of wired towards the discipline stuff anyway. Um, Like, I like things to be ordered. There's been times in my ministry or in my professional life where I've gotten so far down the road with what I have to do that that can be difficult to do. And I've had to learn or relearn how to find rhythm again at different periods and times in my life and do it differently but uh, I'm kind of wired towards liking things to be ordered. I need routines. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm ADHD, right, uh, since I was a kid, and I've always had to compensate for that in some way. And one of the ways I compensate for that is that I, I like things to have a certain pattern to them. And so I do things, I, I put things in the same place, in the same way, day in and day out. I kind of drive some people in my life crazy because I get really upset when you move stuff. Um, but I, I, I like that. And I also have figured out that it's a survival thing for me, too, the, the in terms of discipline personally, like in terms of my time management is one discipline I think that it's a really important for leaders to focus on. I think it's one of the earliest things that people should re, it's, uh, be looking at and trying to make sure that they are attending to because kind of everything else flows from that um, to – I've, I've experienced what burnout, you know, what that could look like. And um, the only ways to really survive that are, and to come out of that, is to, to refocus on the disciplines that are necessary, spiritual disciplines. Um, I also think that spiritual disciplines for me have, the, if I don't have the discipline there, then I don't feel whole. I can't function the way I'm supposed to. I'm not the human being I need to be. And uh, so um, I've, I feel better. It's just like whenever I go to the gym all the time and I'm um, doing what I'm supposed to do in terms of taking care of my body, I feel better. Same thing with in terms of my spiritual life or in terms of management of myself as a human being in other, other areas. I think we feel better, we operate better, we feel more whole as human beings. And um, we find it as a result that we can do the things that we're really called to do. Life becomes better as a result of that.
0: Yeah, I can really relate to the the rhythm concept. Mm -hmm. Because, like, for me, 10 months of the year, I have a very consistent rhythm of my life. And then school ends, and then, like, everything sort of changes. Like, just the, the rhythms happen with church in the summer. We have the summit in the summer. Kids are at home. And so I think rhythm and time is really important. I think it's a great place to start. Brandon, you was talking about stewardship. And, um, you know, a lot of us think of that as like a financial thing. So essentially, like, how do we like hold into account? How do we manage and be responsible for these things? So if everything flows out of time, like, let's start with how do you both manage and maximize your time so that all these other things that are valuable can be added into your life?
1: Um, I think, first of all, to understand the reason why I think we only think stewardship is money is because, you know, the definition of stewardship is to uh, care for something that is valuable. And I think when we say stewardship is a money thing, it's really a Western thing. It's a it's an it's kind of a capitalistic, you know, it's it's our American dream stuff that it's seeped into our spirituality of, like, that's what we value. We value success. We value money. We value those things uh, to the point to where, you know, there are people who have stewarded that so well that they've lost their marriage, they've lost their families, they've lost their faith or whatever it may be. And so for me, you know, I actually just made a post about this the other day, uh, just saying, like, what, what we are facing in our culture today is a lifestyle disease. Um, most of what is destroying people, families, I mean, even just literally killing people is lifestyle choices. And it's because we don't deem them as valuable. We don't deem our bodies as valuable um, because we've separated body and spirit. We we think that somehow our bodies, which is a Gnosticism-type worldview anyways, yeah. it's a my spirit's separate from my body, so it doesn't matter what I do with my body as long as my spirit's okay. But God gave us these bodies to steward um, when it comes to our money, when it comes to our time. You know, I I think it's fascinating to me that Jesus did all of his ministry. I mean, the book of John says that um, if he was to write down everything Jesus did, that he saw Jesus do, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain it. And yet he did it in three and a half years. Oh, and by the way, he was never in a hurry. (laughs) So, I mean, how intentional was Jesus even in stewarding his time in those in, in that in that time, and understanding that there were there were, had to have been rhythms there, right? There were probably days when it's like they didn't stop, and then there were days when you didn't see them. you know And so uh, for me, it's understanding and making allowance. here's why I think people get tripped up is when you make the disciplines um, or your habits, whatever you want to call them, when you make those the end and not the means to the end. And the question I would pose to anybody who is diving into some sort of like trying to get habits, you know, New Year is a great time to talk about it. But if we're honest, we make that the end, you know, and that's why people are like, hey, I want to lose 30 pounds. Great. But is that the end or is the means to I want to honor God with my body? Therefore, I want to live a lifestyle. I want to create habits to where I I can continue to honor God with my body, so on and so forth. Um, When it comes to Bible reading, because I think if you were to ask people what they believe, you know, discipleship or formation is, it's the two basic things you could probably at least answer from an elementary standpoint is to say prayer and Bible reading. But the problem is, is that still becomes the end. Bible reading today for a lot of people is about two things. It's about information and affirmation. Can I get enough Bible knowledge to be spiritually mature? Or can I read enough of the Bible to make myself feel better about my spirituality? And so I hit an 11-day reading streak on YouVersion. woohoo, me and Jesus are tight. Miss one day and people think, oh, no, you know, God's God's up there, like, upset that I didn't read today, you know. And so that's when it becomes the end and not the means to the end. The end should be Jesus, all day, every day. It's Jesus. When it comes to my money, what's the end goal? How do I honor and glorify Jesus? How do I help participate, not build, participate in building the kingdom? And, And I think that's where we get tripped up. And I think that's why when people, maybe they do have an interruption in their rhythm, it totally destroys their habits or disciplines because they made that the end. And when that didn't work out, let's go try something different.
0: But I know like in my life um, something that you know Brandon and I get to be a part of at our church is at the beginning of the year we do like a 21 uh, 21 day uh, season of fasting so like every January we do it and like there was a season when it was like something to dread because it was something to endure you know like hey I'm doing the Daniel fast how long can I make it through this or I'm not gonna eat and so it was it was something that very much was that you know, you're looking at the end and not like what it's producing. And Which is that's a,
1: that's, a, that's a great example because you know what's funny is like I think even that word is not really a, a correct word like a Daniel fast. Like <laughs> I, I think we have cha- we have molded <laughs> the word fasting into something that it's not. I'm doing a social media fast. <laughs> the meaning of the word fasting is to not eat. <laughs> and so I find it, I find it so funny that even in the church world, we found a way to spiritualize. Just how do I keep eating? Just eat differently and feel spiritual about it. You know what I mean? What is, I mean what is, kind of, we kind of manipulated it to fit our narrative of what, what what it is. What's the least amount of giving something up that yes. I can do to feel
0: spiritual? Yes. But like you and I had a really healthy conversation, and you know, you spoke into my life. Like this isn't about what you can endure, but it's about who you're becoming. And so now, me and my family, we look forward to this time every year because it's not about like, okay, are we not going to eat? Or it's right. like, what rhythms and principles do we need to recenter in mm-hmm. our life? So then it becomes less about like getting to the end of the 21 days. And then what are we actually propelling through the 21 days over yes. our life and over our family? Yes. So you said uh, something that was really intriguing. You said about how you have to be intentional. And so, like, I have a gift uh, of, like, getting to see y'all's life closely. And, you know, uh, one of those things is, like, I get to see y'all's calendar. And there's a part of it that, like, stresses me out. But then (laughs) another part is both of y'all are super intentional when it comes to your time. So, like, I see, like, you intentionally schedule these things that are valuable. Danny, you intentionally schedule time to pray for people and pray for churches. Brandon, yeah. I see you intentionally schedule like your D group time and your quiet time. Like you all are so intentional with your time that then produces um, the margin really to do these disciplines in your life. So like, h- how do you do that? And why do you, why is time like the, that beginning thing that propels everything else?
2: Yeah. So, um, I, I operate with, um, I I have a thing that I I do an ideal week, like every, there's a, there's a, you know, you've seen this, I've shared this with you guys, like if if a week was exactly, um, I was going to be able to be in the office every day and all the rhythms were going to be the way I wanted them to be, then this is what a week would look like. And these are the things I'll do during those times. And I block my calendar that way so that it's clear that the things that are a priority to me are, and are going to be the things that I have that are first. So if someone else tries to come to me and say, well, if you, can you do this? Can you meet with me at this time? Or can we do this at this time? I can say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I think I shared this on the podcast. It didn't mean that long ago. But if you say to someone, I have an appointment at that time, 99% of people are going to go, oh, okay. Your appointment may be that you have a time set aside to pray. That's good. Um, or it might be that that's a time that you have set aside to study. I think study is a spiritual wow. discipline too. Um, so I think there, those kinds of things I'm right now, I've been working on a a writing project. I'm trying to write a book. And so I have time that's built into my calendar every day to write. And if I don't do that, then what, you know, it'll happen is that something else will get in that space. Um, and so I, I've, I've learned over time that I need to get ahead of things because if I don't get to the calendar first, then I'm basically just ceding my responsibility for my own time to someone else to tell me what to do. And so people can be super busy without being people who are managing their time. Well, I have some of the busiest people I know are people that are not doing what they need to do in terms of managing their time. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're letting someone else tell them what to do and with their time. And then they get mad, and they're like, "Well, I don't have time to do the things that I I need to do." Well, that's your fault because you haven't gotten to your calendar first, <laughs> made the hard calls that you need to make, and and put boundaries in place for yourself, for your family, um, for the people that you're that are important uh, to to that you're working with in ministry. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, for example, I also have. Not only would we have like meeting times, but I have one-on-one times with every person that reports to me every week. Uh, That's important to me. I want to get ahead of that so that we are able to continue to have conversations uh, because not because I need you to do something, Dustin, but because I need to be there to support you in what you're doing. And so it's important for me to get ahead of all those things so that I can be who I need to be for the other people in my life as well. So um yeah, I, and it becomes a spiritual thing for me too um, because I, I build in the spiritual disciplines that I'm doing at that time. I would also say this, my calendar and way I deal with it, I don't make big changes to it all the time. I think that it's important for people to not try to, if you're getting talking about your, people are going to try to do new habits at the beginning of the year, don't try to do everything at once. Try one thing. Yeah. Change one thing, and if that you once that becomes a habit, or you know, that becomes a, a normal thing, then add something else. Um, I think that doing one different thing a week is probably more than what most people can do.
1: Well, and I would add to that, Danny, that really, honestly, the challenge I would give you first, if you're a person who's like man, something's got to change, is don't think about what you need to add to your life, but think about what you need to subtract. Absolutely. I I think uh, growth comes from subtraction, not addition. And I think when people think, when people start talking about, like, spiritual growth and you start talking about getting involved, I think the moment you start talking about that, people automatically think, what else can I add to my life? Instead of reevaluating and saying, what needs to be removed from my life? And I think that's the first thing I would challenge people is like, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your yes that you need to evaluate and change one thing out of that? Subtract one thing. And what that's going to do is create the margin for God to speak to you on, like, what is the habit that I do need to start?
0: Yeah, and, like, you have to have that margin in order to add something. Or if not, that's where you get overwhelmed and, like, you know, you fail yep. or you shut down and you stop doing these yep. things.
2: And I think people do the same thing with, like, tools related to, like, time management or spiritual disciplines, whatever it mm-hmm. is. I, I would not add a bunch of new tools. Like, if, you're, yeah. if you use a... Um, digital calendar, then don't think you're going to be able to add 14 new apps the first week about how you're going to, you're just going to get frustrated and you're going to stop doing it. Yeah, Um, I went back and re, and re-simplified things here about, oh, I don't know, eight months ago, so ago. And I went back to using a paper calendar again, a, a paper, I'm a super digital person. Like I fight for digital stuff here at the ministries all the time. In fact, kind of annoys people sometimes just... Dustin does too with,
0: with it. so, yeah. Um, so, you know, you're talking about like tools and stuff. I do something that's a little bit weird. Like, I mean, no, yeah, you wouldn't think, <laughs> but like, you know, a lot of people <laughs> use calendars to like project what they're doing or to like manage their future. Oh, well, I will intentionally put what I've done in my calendar. So like yeah. you're saying, Brandon, I can evaluate it because I'm like, mm-hmm. man, where did my week go? Oh, like, uh, we've been in a season at the church where I've, I've been somewhat busy, and I look back and I'm like, I'm in meetings all the time, and, yeah. and most of them are management of our staff. But it's like, how can I streamline that? So like, how you're saying, Brandon, like I'm able to question what needs to be eliminated because I've stewarded or right. I've tracked, mm-hmm. you know, what I need to like cut out because ultimately we're spending a lot of time talking on time because it is the one you know commodity that you can't get more of. Like yeah. it's so limited in our life. Yeah. So now that if, if people are able to like cut some stuff away, they're able to build some margin, like what are some of the disciplines and some of the things you personally have added value into your life by doing?
1: Huh. Yeah, I mean, prayer, I think is for me, and that sounds so spiritually cliche, but honestly, I wish I could remember the quote or who quoted it, um, but I love this quote. It's like, um, I can't survive without uh, an hour of prayer a day. And if I'm really busy... I pray for two hours, which is counterintuitive to our thought process. Most of us, like, I don't have time to pray. But honestly, that that silence, solitude, journaling, prayer time for me, um, I can tell a huge difference if I was to go a day or two without that. Like, it messes up my whole uh, just approach, perspective, gratitude, all of those things. Um, I would say if you wanted to start really small – Just spend five minutes writing down four or five things that you're grateful for. Um, Gratitude, I always tell people, I know it sounds cliche-ish, but um, uh, gratitude determines your attitude. And I think if you can start your day with gratitude, it just gives you a whole new perspective on your approach to the entire day. And so if I was going to start somewhere really small, and for me what's changed, you know, what's impacted me the most is starting with gratitude. So, you know,
2: I was listening to something the other day when someone was talking about gratitude. They said that it's impossible to um, practice gratitude and to have negative mm. uh, thoughts about yeah. about things, negative feelings, because gratitude's a positive thing. Mm. And you can't do positives and negatives at the same time in your own psyche. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you start with gratitude, you'll always change your perspective. Yeah. So it's really, really good. Yeah. I, I'm also a journaler. I do the same thing. I think mm-hmm. that it's... I started journaling as a discipline when I was in college and I've, I've practiced it pretty consistently over the years. Um, I generally try to do twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. I don't ever always get both, but I'm most days, there's rare that I don't get one of the two. Um, and it centers everything else. So my scripture reading reflection about that all goes as is, is kind of, it becomes part of that practice as well. I think the I think disciplines are not separated things, but right. they're they kind of build on each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, prayer and writing it down in journals. I always my journals always end with some kind of a prayer, um, study. All those things they kind of all flow into. Mm-hmm. And I I've, kind of the thing I've used to tie them all together has been journals over the years. Yeah. And it's really cool to go back and look at the ones <clears throat> from yep. years ago and go, oh wow, um, either. I still am dealing with that same mm. thing or I'm, you know, what I was worried about there. Look at how God has worked and wow. I, that's not even a concern at this point or how wrong I was about what I was, how I was worried about something. And am I expressing my my anxiety about something? And then you look at it from years gone, you know, years later and you go, well, God knew way more about this than I did. And it has a way of affirming,
0: you know, the gut work of God in your life over mm-hmm. time. Well, there's a layer of this, you know, <laughs> Like you said, Brandon, some things just sound cliche. Like to start with, like if you could add one thing now that you've created margin is prayer. People are like, oh, that's super churchy or like, of course you would want to. But like so many times we miss out on like it is like connecting to the power source. Mm -hmm. And so if we're reading our Bible without that, then we really are like you've removed the relational component out of the relationship with Jesus. And so you really are reading for uh, either information or you're reading to get through it. Instead of like that now is you hearing from God after you've had this time with him.
2: Yeah. Brain, whenever you do prayer like that, you talk about doing doing this as a practice. For you, do you have to do other things over time to order or to keep you tied to, to prayer? I mean, is, do you like read somebody else's prayers or is there any, other than just kind of sitting there and, And praying, I know that that's that's kind of our normal practice in terms of like our tradition. Mm -hmm. We tend to be very much like just me and God and I just express to God things. But do you have any other things that go into that? that Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, uh, sometimes reading a psalm out loud uh, is a form of prayer, like any kind of liturgy. I think people think that prayer is just, all right, I'm telling God what I need or I want. But sometimes prayer is just, I love the quote by Mother Teresa. She was getting interviewed, you know, I think it was by Dan Rather. And he's like, so what do you tell God when you pray? And she said, nothing. I just sit there. He said, okay. Or she said, I sit there and listen. And he said, okay, well, what does God say to you? She says, nothing. He just sits with me. And you could tell he was kind of confused. And she said, if you can't understand that, I can't explain it to you. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes we dismiss the power of just sitting in the presence Mm -hmm. of God. Yeah. And just being. And... Maybe having a verse or something that you just kind of meditate on or think on, you know, what's powerful is you say, you know, when you say that word meditation, you know, so many people freak out, you know, because it sounds like, you know, some kind of Buddhist, Eastern religion, but the Bible talks about meditation and what's amazing about it, the Hebrew um, translation for the word meditate is actually to whisper it to yourself. And so when you see the in the Old Testament, when, he, when the Bible talks about, like, say it on the way to, you know, on the way home and write on your doorpost and all this stuff. I mean, they literally took the word so serious that as they're going through the day, they're just constantly whispering the text to themselves. Because you would ask yourself, like, how, how in order do you memorize the first, how do you memorize the Torah, right? But I mean, if you think about it, if you spent your entire day whispering the words to yourself, meditating, delighting, And I think that's what we don't do enough is delighting in the Lord's perfections, meditating in his temple, as Psalm 27 tells us, right? And so sometimes even the scripture memorization, like right now me and my D group are memorizing Psalm 27. And so it's just like, all right, I'm going to just sit here and walk through every one of those verses and just soak it in. Uh, going through the Lord's Prayer. Every Monday, that's the you know we pray differently as a family every morning before we go to school and work, but every Monday we start with the Lord's Prayer. I want my kids to know like if you don't know anything else to say, recite the Lord's Prayer. There's a reason why Jesus told us to pray this way. And if you were to break down the Lord's Prayer and just pray that slowly through and think about each line, you could pray for hours. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's that. Uh, sometimes it's literally just you know if I go into uh, there's the five finger prayer, you know, they talk about it's just the whole celebrate um, thankfulness, uh, intercessory, gratitude, uh, which I think I said thankfulness already. Um, gosh, my brain just left me. I'm sorry. But anyways, when you walk through that, you realize like, man, you could literally spend hours in prayer. If you walk through that process of thanking God, worshiping God, celebrating his goodness, um, bringing to him your needs. Um, And then also praying for other people. So then by the time I jump into intercessory prayer, I feel like I'm at a place of focus where I can really focus on people's needs. And, um, And even that, like, you know, if I feel like if I'm thinking through like, Lord, put somebody in my mind to pray for, I literally in my mind hold them before the Lord. And just say, God, like, I don't even know what they need. Or sometimes, because sometimes God will just put that on my heart. Like, hey, pray. And I try to remind myself, text that person later and let them know, like, hey, I'm thinking about you today. Yeah. Praying for you. And so for me, prayer has so many, you know, avenues you could go down. And, and I think that's what I would challenge our listeners is like, don't limit yourself to the just, well, you know, here I am. I guess I'm going to, you know, tell God what I want or what I need. Uh, dive into, and one of the greatest resources I would say is there's a book called um, How to Pray. I know it sounds really difficult, but uh, Pete Gregg, anything by Pete Gregg, he's such a, a great author. Um, he's, he's the one that helped start 24 7 prayer. It's a movement across the world, but um, great, simple book that basically walks through the Lord's Prayer and teaches you how to pray simple. It's a simple guide for, for the ordinary person to pray. So I hope would that you? helps.
0: I think what's what's so good about what y'all are talking about is like this is now more of a practice instead of something that's accomplished. And so if you've got five mm-hmm. or ten minutes in your day, like you can just be with Jesus. Or mm-hmm. if you have an hour that you can carve out in your day. And so for our listeners, sometimes it's, it's hard to process like, well, you know, how much time do I need to block out for this? But it's like really, like we've been saying, just start somewhere and out of this relationship that the desire is going to keep going. I know when we started introducing silence and solitude at our church. Like, you know, five minutes felt like eternity, and now we'll do it 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and it becomes something that really does fuel every other discipline. Yeah, and
2: I I would also say that sometimes we feel, we act like, or we think that feeling how we feel about the practice itself is a thing that that is important, that, Mm. you know, the more you do it, the more that you'll want to do it kind of a thing like you're just talking about. I I would challenge you to say sometimes the whole point of discipline is that you do things whenever you don't feel it at all. Yes. And some, and I think we tend to, to look at things and go, well, I'm not feeling it today, so I'm not really going to pray. No, you need to pray right now. Um, even when you're not feeling it, you need to figure out ways to be able to be faithful to that. Even whenever you're or so-called your heart's not in it. And, um, sometimes your mouth needs to keep working so your heart can catch up. Mm. Um, I mean, I've even like I've counseled with people over the years that have had problems with being able to pray because of something that's happened in their life or they're mad at God because of the loss of someone in their life or whatever and just trying to find those practices that you can help them to to do in order to help their help their spiritual life to catch up to what they're what they're saying sometimes you feel like you're faking it but I I think that that's just the practice itself is important um because it's a discipline right you're putting yourself to say i'm going to do this no matter what and there's lots of days that i get up in the morning and i go through my morning routine and i don't want to take the time to to do the journaling um but i i i'm I'm like okay i need to do this even if i don't even if if even if it's not as long and you know discursive as other days, I just do it, and I I, I do the prayer, and I I take, take that time. It has a way of continuing to to bring me to the place where I need to be.
0: Well, and I, I think that's great what you're talking about with the, sometimes you don't feel it, but the discipline <coughs> of doing it. And so when, you know, if we shift over, and like, hey, you've created margin in your calendar, you, you've introduced prayer and being with Jesus, like, I think people would think, hey, this is a great time to segue to, like, Bible reading, but what I'd like to segue to is like you mentioned that there's times where like you don't feel it, but you you just need to do it. And I know this is something that both of y'all are passionate about because like I know y'all, you know. Uh, most people wouldn't know Danny's an avid hiker, can like mega hikes or like Danny will do like oh, 5K. Mega hike. Well, what I would call a mega hike. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, mega hike, we tell you like 30-mile hiker. Like Danny like backpacks and all this stuff and like will periodically run 5Ks just to do it. And like Pastor Brandon is like an avid person in the gym. He actually does something uh, called the Murph where he'll do it with like a weighted vest. And so um, if we really are, a lot of our listeners, you know, your leaders in the church, if like if we are these people who are serving and leading and like we're an instrument for God, a lot of times a discipline we neglect is our bodies. I know this is something super important to both of y'all. You're intentional with it. You do it when you don't want to. Like, why is that in your life such a big deal?
1: Uh, Before, I want to segue there, but I think this is really important to say because I thought what you just said, Danny, was so phenomenal um, about the emotional part of it. Yeah. Because well, I tell people, I actually preached this to our church recently, monotony is not attractive. You know, that's why every Disney and rom-com ends with the wedding. You know, if you think about it, like they, you you celebrate the dating and all that stuff. Why? Because that is the emotional feel good. But, that's when it, the story ends. Right. Actually, that's, that's when the story is beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does a marriage last 40, 50 years? Because they learned how to be faithful in the monotony. That's good. And so I just want to remind people, like, that is, that's, that's where you look back over two years. You're like, man, I didn't feel it the last two months. But you look mm-hmm. over two years, and you're like, oh, I've become a person who reads the Bible every day. Yeah. I've become a person who prays every day. I didn't feel all the emotionalism, but here I am. And so I think tying that into the physical world to me, um, it really is. I I, I truly believe we have separated the physical from the spiritual. And the reason why I think it's so important because I mean, you think about the days when you feel the most apt and ready to do the things that God has called you to do, it's usually days that you physically feel able. And so if you think about somebody who does not prioritize their health, and this doesn't mean they have to be a gym rat, doesn't mean they have to, you know, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is if you think about the times when you have been less likely to be faithful or obedient to what the Lord has asked you to do, it's probably something physical that has kept you from it. Whether it's, I'm not in a good mood today. Well, guess what? If you fill your body with sugars and bad foods all the time, you're going to be cranky. You're going to be moody. You're not going to want to get up in the mornings. All of those things affect moods, mentalities, mindsets. Um, When you think about how, and I could go on this, I'm not going to go on this tangent or this big rant, but when you think about how food has changed since like the 1930s, Um, And you see the difference. If you look back at like some of our grandparents or great grandparents, they worked outside all the time. You know, and I look at my father-in-law, he still lives the same lifestyle he did when he was a kid. And so you'll watch him like on the weekends, like eat all this food. You're like, where's this food going? But then when you watch his week, the guy doesn't stop moving. Yeah. And, and so now you take that into not only has our diets changed drastically, but how we move has changed drastically. Mm-hmm. You know, we live sedentary lifestyles. Most of us work behind a desk, or even if we do work a physical job, it's just different. <laughs> and so, but we don't realize like those things take into account, like, where's my mindset when it comes to prayer? Where's my mindset when it comes to Bible reading? And if I'm exhausted, then or if I'm in a bad mood, or I don't physically feel well, now you're going to be even less inclined to do mm-hmm. some of those other disciplines that we're talking about. And I, I know you probably got some stuff to yeah, add to I, that. Yeah, I, it, I would me?
2: also say that, I mean, I've been on the other side of that. There was a long period of my career where I, pri- I, I was so busy doing the professional thing that I did not prioritize my health, and um, so... I had to like hit the wall with that in order to to take it seriously, and um, so that's that's something that I, at this point like it's it's something that I've learned is not a negotiable for me being able to be who God's called me to be. Mm. It's not even you know it's it's you're right about all the disciplines part. I'm I'm when I feel better physically, my brain works better. I'm able my my emotions are better. Everything it works better. But um, I, I can tell you from a perspective that, I mean, you look at Brandon, you look at me, you can tell there's a difference between the way we're kind of made now. Um, but that's because I spent years. I'm a, I'm diabetic, um, not because I, I do have a genetic, you know, propensity for that. But, I mean, I, I ate stuff that I shouldn't, do. the way I, I didn't take care of my body. And so I've had to, I now have to pay attention to that much more. But over the last few years I've it's become something that it's now an identity thing for me mm-hmm. where I have during in twenty twenty I had um physically I was at probably the worst at the start of the year that I'd ever been. I was very I was ill because of it. And um over the course of a few months I'm I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna be an athlete again. I was that when I was younger, I'm gonna be that again because that's I can I can be that, and I I'm better for my family. I'm better in my ministry. All those things because if I can if I can do that, and so um, it's become integral to the way that I perceive how I'm supposed to live now, mm. and it, it's become a spiritual discipline as well as a physical one. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really important, and I think as I've thought you know thinking about it over time, I think Brandon what you said earlier is right. I think we have in American culture and American Christianity, we have a kind of Gnosticism, which is a heresy, right? Mm-hmm. This that separates the body and the physical from the spiritual. Mm-hmm. God did not make us our, our bodies and us separate. Yeah. There's a reason why, even in terms of the way we think about the, the end, what God is going to accomplish for yeah. us in yeah. in terms of the end of time, He's accomplishing resurrection. That's our a that's body. A body. Yeah. Right. And so for, for us to not pay attention to that is kind of practical practical heresy.
1: Well, and right? the reason why Paul, when he's talking about sexual sin, if you remember that's in right. Corinthians, he correlates it to eating, right? And so its it's. And I think that's why, you know, not just from a food standpoint, but I think that's why sexual sin is running rampant in the church as well is because— we have a false dichotomy and perspective and theology of what it comes when it comes to our bodies and how we utilize them, and so we almost run. It's almost like we made the the use or the rented car analogy on the (laughs) way here. I mean, that's kind of what we do with the body, right? Oh, it's just rented. I'm going to get a new one one day. Instead of thinking like, well, God gave you this one though to steward well and to be faithful in.
0: Well, and you know, personally I'm at a place a little bit different than both of y'all. And so like for people who like know my life, like we had a pretty major traumatic event when our house burned. And before that, like we had made some pretty big life changes that was leading to good results. And then the trauma Like, out of the trauma, like, it was hard to manage some of these things. And, like, some of our listeners, like, you know, you may be stuck someplace and maybe it's a mental health issue, maybe it's depression, maybe it's trauma in your life. Like, these are things that, you know, you need to be able to talk to people through. But, like, things that, like, I'm trying to get back to, like, at this time of the year in my rhythms is uh, we went, my wife and I went about a year and a half on, like, a keto diet. Like, you know, you can research or, like, some people have pros and cons to it. But, like, what I learned in that season, and I think it's where this body and soul and, and, you know, your leadership even comes together, is, like, when I felt the best in my life was when I was fueling it with the right source. And I was learning, like, you know, if I put the wrong fuel in my body, it's making me tired. It's having these negative effects. When I put the right fuel in my body, like, it's leading me to, like, the better version of myself. And so when we talk about like these disciplines and like the time with Jesus and doing what Jesus did, like it truly is like me fueling my soul and my body in a way that's leading me to a good place. And so this is where it's important personally what we do that leads to what we do professionally. So like if we're feeding our soul right, like it's fueling every aspect of our lives. And so I know that both of y'all are dynamic leaders of organizations because y'all are dynamic leaders of leading yourself. And so how does that roll into the organizations as we shift and we get ready to sort of wind down today? How how does you leading you impact you leading the church or the organization that you're a part of?
1: I think Danny said it best while ago, and, and I think this is still an ongoing problem, is what we have is an identity issue. And so for a long time, I found my identity in being the pastor of Generation Church. I found my identity in being a youth pastor. I found my identity in whatever role or, you know, job or calling, you know, Mm -hmm. I have. And my identity is in Christ. You know, I've finally gotten to a place in my life where I don't, I don't need, like I used to need this, Danny. I mean, I used to need to be a pastor. I used to need for people to be talking about me or talking about our church or I don't need it anymore. And what comes with that is freedom, because now everything that I do is birthed out of a place of my love for Jesus and my love for life in general. And so that's how it bleeds over is like, I don't take care of myself so that I can look good on stage. I don't take care of myself so that people can go, oh, look, the fit pastor or whatever. I, I do these things because I love my life that God has given me. I'm grateful for it and I'm stewarding it well. And when I steward the, the most important things well, you know what I found out is that the blessings and favor of the Lord overflows with all of that. And it starts with me and my home first, And it overflows into every other relationship. And that's why, you know, if you are good at home, if my wife will sit through multiple times and hear me preach, I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job. (laughs) there are some pastors' wives that don't want to hear their husbands once. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, that's how it impacts how I lead is like I'm not doing this for the church. I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm doing this for the gratitude of the health and life that he's given me. And with that that impacts my relationships and how I lead the church.
0: But I've heard you said this many times. Mm -hmm. You don't practice what you preach. You are preaching what you do practice. Correct. Um, So, um, Danny, how do you see that? Like, you know, out of your overflow of your discipline, your time with Jesus, like how does that impact, like, the things you lead? Yeah, um, and I have had to learn some of that again over time. Um, I I think
2: that... I think I talked about this even, it hasn't been that long ago on the podcast, and something that's God's been kind of doing in me over the last year is kind of returning back to this idea of I am first and foremost a son of God mm. and that everything else kind of, everything else is not who I am, but that is who I am. The other stuff is because of who I am in him that I do these other things. And, you know, instead of getting the cart in front of the horse, and in in terms of how I understand my own uh, being and why I'm here in this world, I'm, I'm here to glorify God with my life because he has loved me and, and uh, given himself for me. So I just simply return my life to him. And so uh, there was a few years ago, I was going through really a difficult moment in my life. And I'd had this prayer that I'd prayed multiple times and I just said, God, you know, whatever you want with my life, it's yours to use. And I just kind of took things, just kind of let took my hands off of it and said, "Okay, um, I need to stop trying to manipulate all of it in order to make it work out the way that I want or for me to experience the things that I want to experience or whatever that is. And instead, I just need to be who God is, you know, who I am before him and let that, um, dictate yeah. the way that I, I, the decisions that I make because I see what he's asking me specifically to do and just to give it up to him. And whenever I did that, it was like, he is almost like God was like, yeah, that's what I've been waiting for you to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And things were so much better that way. Um, balance in life is better um, fulfillment and ministry is, is better, um, because I've, the, the things are in the right order. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of, you know, how you're personally leading yourself, I think that managing yourself is the first kind of management that anybody does. Yeah. And it's a prerequisite for any other kind yeah. leading yourself. You can't lead others before you lead yourself and you can't lead organizations. Until you learn to lead others, which requires mm. you to lead yourself. yourself yeah. yeah, right. So yeah. there's there's levels to this, <laughs> and some people what people want they, they think that they like I want to do and you they put this big thing out there down. You know I want to lead a big church, right, Brandon? Mm. I want to lead a dynamic church like Generation. Well, mm. they don't see all of the ways that God has been working in your life, correct? And to see how you had
1: to learn to manage and lead <laughs> yourself first, correct. Uh, I love what Kenneth Boa, in his book, Conformed to His Image, if you haven't read that book. That's a great book. Fantastic book on spiritual formation. But when he talks about our relationship to work, you know, most of us think we are working to provide. And the the Bible is clear that God is the provider. We are working as a participator. And so since the fall, you know, work has been around since before the fall. Um, The problem is, is that the fall caused work to be more toil than enjoy, And I think when you get to that place where you realize, because when we talk about the identity issue, I think so many pastors, leaders, they are seriously doing this thinking like, man, if I I can grow a big church or if I can have this kind of influence, then somehow I'm doing something significant for the kingdom. Or somehow God's going to love me more. He's going to love me more, even if that means loving my family less. And... And I think when you get to that place of understanding, like all I'm doing is being faithful and honoring the work God has put before me mm-hmm. and allowing him to provide, then I start looking at my stewardship of my life a lot differently because I'm not, you know, because I do think people die on that altar of like, I'm doing this for Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I preached a message one time called making sandwiches Jesus didn't ask for. And it's the whole story <laughs> of Mary good. and Martha. You know, and uh, Martha's in there like, I'm I'm doing all this stuff. And Jesus like, I didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> you yeah. know, like Mary has chosen the better part. And I think what some people will hear is like, oh, well, then work, you know, I don't have to work hard. And it's like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is now my work is done through a different perspective. Yeah, I'm not overworking to earn God's favor and love. I'm honoring God through my work and allowing the joy of the benefits of whatever he provides in that to be what sustains me. Yeah, that, that looks like
2: a life then of, of like worship, yeah. right? Because I always say the worship is letting God be God and us not mm-hmm. yeah. be God, right? Yeah. And sometimes I think whenever we we do those kinds of things that way, it's, what we're really doing is sinful because it's us saying, well, God didn't have this figured out, so I'll figure it out for him and I'll mm-hmm. do all this other stuff that he hasn't asked me to do yeah. because it needs to be done, right? Mm-hmm. And what we do is that, one of my seminary professors used to say this all the time, um, that we we want to do God's job instead of doing his work. Mm, and that's good. I think that uh, we end up we end up doing that as a result of taking we take on too much. Mm-hmm. we uh, try to make make things happen that he's not made us make try to make happen. I love the title of that making sandwiches that Jesus didn't even <laughs> yeah.
0: well you know in reference in referencing that family, <clears throat> uh, my D group we've been reading through the book of John and in John chapter 12 it references the story and it is a powerful family with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and um, it was reading through a Wearsby commentary, and it talked about, like, the legacy this family leaves, like the impact that they make is because in this one family, you have both work, worship, and witness all mm, together. Yeah. And, like, when we can do that in our lives, yeah. like, that's when it really starts to make, like, a generational impact. Yeah. And I think about, like, the, the story of Moses, who he's <clears> been with Jesus. He's been with God up on the mountain, and he comes down, and, like, people can tell. And I think that's where, like, the fuel source, like, the time, all of these things come to come together is, like, I'm around you all a lot, and what I can tell is you've been with Jesus. And then the organizations that you're a part of, you can tell, and, like, it rose out of your life into every part of the organization. And so for our listeners today, like, I would encourage you, like, this is a personal thing and this is a professional thing. Like, if you want your church to be better, You know, spend time making your relationship with Jesus better. And out of your relationship, every other part of your church is going to follow that. So good. So today, thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode of the Doing Together podcast. You might be interested or have some questions. I just want to encourage you. uh, It's not as hard as you think. Just do one thing. If you could do one new thing Like, you're going to begin the journey to find that better version, that you, you haven't been. Hey, and
1: to tag on to that, and this is something that I learned recently, it was so good. There's a a statistic that says that if you spent 100 hours on one particular subject, you would be the 5% expert in that field. And so to add on to that, like, whatever you add, like, if you add just one thing, if you say, man, I'm going to add gratitude... Say this year, I'm going to dive into all things gratitude. I'm going to read books on gratitude. I'm going to read articles on gratitude. I'm going to listen to podcasts on gratitude. And dive into that and let that become something that, and then once you feel like, man, this is something that's a vital staple of my life, then add, you know, journaling or prayer or whatever it may be. But that would just be what I would encourage listeners is don't try to go down every avenue at once. Yeah. Dive into one thing and make that a central part of your day.
0: But I know for me, like a big part of like me becoming a better version of myself is I have people like y'all who can encourage and inspire me. And so maybe you don't know where to start and you're listening to this. I want to encourage you. Uh, this type of information, this type of wisdom that President Danny and Pastor Brandon have shared are examples of what we offer in our church leadership network. And so between our church leadership network and Pastor Travis Stevens with our church health ministries, like we have resources, we have people, we have mentors who can help you in these areas. Wisdom, resources to be able to help you find that better version of yourself and so all those things are accessible to you by reaching out to us at generalbaptist.com we want to help you uh, become that best version of yourself more like Jesus and a little bit less like you Um, so if we can help you out please let us know and an example of those resources is podcasts and episodes just like this And so to make sure you don't miss future episodes, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using to access our content. And please leave us a review. This helps our content be discovered by others and keeps you informed of the newest information developed for you. I want to personally thank Pastor Brandon and President Danny. Uh, I love these guys, and I'm glad that you got to see a little bit of the faithful men of God that I get to do my life with on the regular. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next time on the Doing Together podcast.